This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. I am Dan Clark. Um, so, uh, yes, we have a great show today. Uh, we have two guests on, uh, both pre-recorded. They're wonderful interviews with two very talented ladies. Uh, we have coming up Roshin Connerty, who is a... Uh, a brilliant stand-up c- comedian. She, uh, she, you will know her from her various appearances on um, on things like Eight Out of Ten Cats and and various panel shows. But she has a her own sitcom coming up in the autumn. So this is an early plug for her uh, in August. She is hoping you'll remember this conversation and tune in in, I think it's out in October. Um, and also we have uh, Ingrid Oliver, who you may know from the double act Watson and Oliver. She is currently in Edinburgh doing the festival on her own and I think she's already got some nice reviews for her show. We had a great chat. Some of you will know her probably not so much for her comedy work but more for Doctor Who which is probably uh, mixed blessings for her I think when you put so much work into your own stuff and then you do a small part in a show or a regular part I should say and then suddenly that's the thing you are known for the most which uh, we talk about a bit. It's very funny. I just wanted to discuss before before we go on to the interviews, some of my favourite shows that have been on this year so far. It's August and there's been some great TV shows. And you know what? I think it's a really, really good time for women in television and in films and in comedy. You know, we've had some great shows over the years. But this year, it's like my three favourite shows by far have been shows either about women, written by women, directed by women. And those shows are Big Little Lies which was the HBO show that was out earlier this year starring Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, loads of brilliant actors in that. And it was such a good show. It was written by David E. Kelly, who is uh, responsible for, uh, I think he did Ally McBeal and L.A. Law and uh, lots of other shows. But this is it's such a beautifully written, crafted show, directed by the director of Dallas Buyers Club. If you haven't seen it yet, download it from Amazon or Netflix or wherever it's on. It's going to be on the internet somewhere, but do pay for it. I don't encourage piracy, but uh, or don't. I don't. I actually don't give a shit. I'm sure they've got lots of money. It's a brilliant show. Big Little Lies. That was such a great way to start the year. Then a month or so ago, the comedy Glow, which is about the female wrestlers, that was based on a true story, bizarrely, and uh, that was one of my favourite comedies in like a year or so. I love that show. I love the tone of it, how they sort of managed to get the drama and comedy sort of just spot on. Alison Brie, superb. I've always thought she's a great comedy actress. Mark Maron, you know, he's a bit of a hero, especially if you do radio and podcasts and stuff. He's, you know, he's he's the man and he's amazing in it. I'm going to be honest. And I watched his own show and whilst I liked it, I didn't think he was like, I wasn't going, hey, Mark Maron, he's an amazing actor. But in Glow, he is, he's so good. It's one of those roles where you think, hang on, is he even saying lines? This just seems like he's turned up and then is talking and that's a compliment. The other actor I always think of like that is John Slattery from Mad Men, who played Roger 
just Sterling. It's like, is there any difference between when the camera's rolling and when he's just talking off camera? It's that natural. So Glow, check that out. That's a Netflix show. I did that in like three sittings. I think that was um, it's funny and, and it's emotional and it's it's got this cool sort of 80s feel without being too pastiche. And just this week, I have uh, binged Top of the Lake, the second series. Again, another show with three amazing, strong leads from female characters written and created by Jane Campion. Elizabeth Moss, I mean, she's just incredible. There's The Handmaid's Tale, which I haven't seen yet, and I'm sure that's amazing as well. But she's just phenomenal. If you're a performer or actor in any way, it's almost depressing how good she is. Gwendolyn Christie's very funny in it, very good. And Nicole Kidman, again, two shows with her in it. She is just phenomenal in Top of the Lake. It is such a brilliant transformation. She's all the like, she's she's got these weird teeth that she's put in and freckles added and there's other stuff going on in her face and not Botox and, you know, like actual choices for the character. And it works. It's, it doesn't feel like it's just for her own sort of fun to get in the makeup box. It, it actually adds something to the character. But this show, Top of the Lake, <laughs> this show, it, it sort of blows me away because not only is it a brilliant drama that's beautifully written, beautifully acted, beautifully shot as well, so well directed, but it's a drama and it's a thriller, but yet some of the dialogue and characters are funnier and quirkier than you would get in comedy. And it doesn't ruin it, it sort of adds to it. I can't sing the praises of this show enough. It is such a good show. Watch it. I think it's on the whole series on iPlayer. I'm very excited about the work that's being done at the moment out there. And I'm very excited that you're going to get to hear two other very, very talented female talent on the show today. So let's start with, of course, Roshin and her choice. We get our guests to pick songs or pieces of score from TV shows and films. Her first choice is from the film Sleepless in Seattle. And this is by Joe Cocker, who uh, is one of the few people to ever actually cover the Beatles and do it better than the Beatles. But this is Bye Bye Blackbird from Sleepless in Seattle. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. What a beautiful end. That really, you realise just how much the guy from The uh, Commitments sounds exactly like Joe Cocker. So that's Joe Cocker, that was Bye Bye Blackbird, and that was our guest today's choice from a film. Uh, That guest is Roisin. 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 Why do I always, I always get this wrong. Roisin (laughs) Conaty. Conaty. (laughs) Roisin. Yeah. Why did you pick that song? I was going to say, why did you pick that name? Why did you pick that name? Well, actually, why did you uh, get given that name? Uh, Irish parents who moved right. in the 70s. Yeah. And they had very non-Irish names, okay. like Margaret and Charlie. And yeah. They just got all Irish when they came to England, so I got... It was leaving Ireland that made them even more Irish yeah, than so before. So I think about 50% of my life is... Where's that name? When I, whoever I meet, I've yeah. never had a conversation where they go, oh... So it's quite weird to meet someone. It must be nice to go, Dan. They go, cool, and move on with it. With me, I, everyone's like, oh, it's got a lot better now because the internet is more Roshins. But when I was a yeah. kid, it was, I've never really had an opener where I don't do the, the bit about my name. So why did you pick that song? It's from what film did you say that? Sleepers in Seattle. Oh. Is that, is that, <laughs> what? I can't make that noise. Because oh. <laughs> it's sort of it's like, an amazing I th- film. when I think of films like that, I just think, wow, that's, that's like an era of movies that just don't get made anymore. That kind no. of straight no, down the Tom line Hanks. rom-coms. 
It's just incredible. It's, I love that film so much. And it's, you know what it is as well? It's really great location because all the rom-coms, everyone goes, New York's good, right? Yeah. Let's just film every rom-com there forever. So you get no new imagery. But in that, Seattle, and I did, I've never even seen Seattle before. Have you seen Seattle in a film? Singles. Yes. That? But that yeah. was, that, was that after? I think that was... I can't before, remember when it is around before, the same yeah. time though around the same time but I just think the imagery in it is really yeah. beautiful which I love the film but I really like the fact that it's a different location as well Definitely. she's sitting like near the water when this song's on it I remember thinking it's nice it's not New York for once it doesn't happen in New York yeah, yeah. You, know, so you have, have to have, have New York in it a tiny bit of it <laughs> you yeah. can't have a rom-com without a flash to New York yes well <laughs> in a way I feel like they let everyone down by doing that at the end <laughs> they gave in they gave in so um, thanks for joining us today thanks for having me we are going to chat a bit about your show that's coming out in the autumn okay. uh, Game Face yes tell me a bit about Game Face now I remember you did a pilot a few years ago what's taken so long to get to a uh, series they didn't commission it what <laughs> but they did it's coming out but they commissioned it like three years later or two years later how does that work um, so I've got a lot of ideas that didn't get made that <laughs> I maybe think I am, I'm not <laughs> They, uh, they so it started off as blaps and then I went for a meeting they're like we're not going to put the blaps up I thought what I've done a good job they're like, we're going to give you a pilot I was like why okay well, actually it's even longer though. in 2010 Channel 4 commissioned me to write a script <laughs> and then sort of nothing happened with it but I mean nothing happened yeah and I was like oh how bad is my script oh god and then so when did you wait when did you do the blap 2000 and uh, what year are we in now 17 2014 maybe 13 14 okay they commissioned a pilot script first then it became a blap no no the blaps were separate and okay. then a different commissioner read my script and he said I want this, this thing from yeah. so you have to combine the blaps with the script okay. and then I made the pilot <laughs> <laughs> right what year did you make the pilot I think, it was two, I think it might have been 2014 I think it went out in April 2014 yeah. so I think I might have made it I need to get these right I, I, yeah. think was, I went out treat this as like a sort of like uh, <laughs> dress rehearsal for all the PR you do in the autumn I think it went out three years ago I think I even auditioned for your pilot or I wasn't there there was I no oh maybe I I was in Edinburgh that's why I seem to remember, like, getting an email saying, we you going to read for this? And I've, I'm sure I did. Anyway, that's I why in, I got you I was, in. Because why didn't you get... <laughs> I was in Edinburgh for most of the, the, for the pilot. Right. So they would put people on tape. But they, they, there was a, I didn't have as much say. You weren't there for the filming of it, though. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I Maybe was that's there. why it took three years <laughs> yeah. to get to a series. Because you're like, like, listen, this whole thing about your show that you're not in, we're not sure about that. <laughs> And then they just, they didn't say no, they just didn't say yes. So that's sort of how they did it. Because I said, it's a no, right? And they're like, no, I haven't said no. And I was like, but the years would indicate that's what's yeah. happened. Oh, and then they God. were like, oh, you know. And so I... I uh, think this is the only industry where people can let you wait that long. I mean, I've got so many things I'm waiting to hear yeah. on that have been months, months, some years. But then it was just sort of, it was genuinely out of, I was out of nowhere like there was no sort of it didn't feel like that was where it was going at all mm -hmm. towards the um towards when it got commissioned obviously they they did like the show and they really supported the show and there's all politics and people wanting stuff at different times and what channel it's going to be on i suppose and and i think they all liked the because the pilot did well and not in an arrogant way but um it was one of those just lucky things it went out after derek mm -hmm. uh on a really big night and so it got like you know a lot of viewers and it's done quite well on twitter like it trended on twitter with no you know people, so i was a bit like well that's really so and they sort of said well see and i said i'm not really going to do better than that like as a pilot to go out with nothing that's sort of the best i could have done really yeah. um 
Uh, so I was sort of thinking they're not going to change their mind. They're not, and there's nothing that's going to happen that they're going to go, oh, but now, now this, you know. But it did. It was really quite odd. I was delighted, but I was stunned. I was really, I was like, I felt like I literally said this. It felt like an ex showing up. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what did we used to do? Yeah. Like, and I was a bit like, I don't know. I thought I wanted. It felt quite weird. Um, and then I sort of had to go back. Because you, you do start moving on. You're doing other things. Well, also, um, presumably, the um, and I wanted to talk about yeah. this because I've seen an episode and which I really enjoyed. And Thank you. Like, knowing that it took a bit of time to go from pilot, did anything in your life change? I mean, I've, like, I wrote a show that by even like almost halfway through it, I started to feel like me the person was sort of like over that world and character a bit like I wanted to write about different things yeah so three years did you not think like well I've kind of changed a I bit did, I, and I did ch- I did change it and I think to be fair to them they did let me and also it's E4 which is quite a youth channel and I, I was uh, I don't want to write like she was 23 the difference mm. between being like not where you are at 23 is so different to being when you're 30 you know I was like I don't want to be like oh I'm a bit of a I was like there's more implications and I wanted mm-hmm. it to um, well, I, not being where you are at 23 can fuck off. Exactly, but when you're 23, you're like, everyone needs to know how much I'm struggling. It really feels yeah. real. You like, do feel oh it my at god, the time, I'm nearly of 25. Course. Of course. Oh my God, I'm ruined. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of, you constantly, and then you sort of go, and you can write that script still where it's just, you know, but I felt like, oh, it's a bit dishonest. It's not. And so I felt, yeah, totally things, and you have, I wanted it to, the show I wanted to make, I wanted it to feel quite real. Yeah. And that felt, and make her not a goon. And that's quite hard because I think, you know, that's sort of my natural instinct is to be quite like a goon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as much as I can, as much as I could, I made the show I sort of wanted to. And it feels like someone at the right time. Like I didn't, I don't think there's stuff in it that isn't, um, that you'd be like, oh, that seems four years out of date. Like if you, if you're in my age range, you won't be like, nah, that's not where you are. Yeah. You know, kind of, it doesn't feel like. There's just differences in, in how you how you write things and how you approach things. It really reminded me of pulling, in in the best way. Sharon oh, Morgan God, show of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, Great series from like must be ten, eleven Game years ago. Game one series now. and yeah, I think it, no, actually, I think it did two. Did actually. it two? Yeah, I it did two. Only did one. Yeah, but it did. It reminded me of that, and I wondered if that was an influence or what. If if not that, what were your influences? Do you know what? I love Sharon Horgan, but I, I, I sort of watched Pulling and I watched it sort of very quickly, but it wasn't, it wasn't an influence catastrophe. What, on, like fast forward? <laughs> no, like it wasn't a show that I think, uh, I, I was doing things in my life at the time and it sounds like a weird thing to say, but like, you know, uh, do you ever get to be to a time where you miss a period of pop culture? Totally. And, you're yeah. like, and everyone yeah. goes on about it and you go, oh, I can't get back there. Yeah. I was going for a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't tell you the story. I know that all the actors and, and, and I knew it was brilliant. But it wasn't. It's not one yeah. that sort of sits with me. Um, I, I, but she's I, amazing, and I love everything she does. Yeah. It's not. A, I'm not saying a. a no, no, no. You it, just didn't. It just it, wasn't as was just relevant not, at the time, or on your radar. But I think she's hugely relevant. I suppose just everything she does is kind yeah. of you know like of course seeing someone be brilliant. I think mainly film, and not in a pretentious way. But I've always like sort of like Nora Ephron and the Duplass brothers and stuff like that. It's been sort that's, of those that's shows. Very different references there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool that's mainly the stuff I think just, I'm really excited by that stuff where it sounds real uh, uh, but everything's with like girls and Woody Allen yeah this is not what the show's like but yeah, the things yeah, that yeah. you in your head I think when you're writing I just like things that sound real yeah but you know what sometimes you I've felt this with stuff I've done where you you know what your influences are but when you look at your own work you're like wow why is it nothing like the things <laughs> I'm influenced exactly by what that's, it is. that's that's a bit exactly, weird exactly you don't see the joins it's like I suppose you don't how you make up a personality you don't see where you get your bits from you yeah. know 
yeah. you know, so, but yeah, I think everything I've watched, um, American stuff, I suppose, drama, comedy dramas, those sort of things. Yeah. But film is my, like I did film at uni and I just feel that's always my, to make it feel quite real and, and, and naturalistic. I'm really obsessed with yeah. with that at the moment, not as a, as a kind of statement like that's the only way it should be. Yeah, yeah. And um, people are getting a bit more used to comedy shows you know especially with the a lot of the american stuff like transparent and yeah. master of none and all those those kinds of shows where it does straddle that strange line between comedy and drama and doesn't have to always chase the joke or the gag or whatever so yeah. hopefully i don't know about an e4 audience but i hopefully people are a bit yeah. more open to that kind of thing where i think you can just make the show you want to make i think the show you want to watch or the show you're interested in at that time and i think if you try you know if if you try and cater to everyone or if you take every note or every you know if everyone adds color you get brown and if you try and make the show that everyone might like a bit of you can see that you know you sometimes go whereas if you make a show where people go like i really like that and yeah. you can sense it it's there's no guarantees obviously and i say this to someone who's <laughs> my show hasn't gone out yet could be dog shit so like you know like but that's my, my but you're going instinct. for a brown color yeah. anyway so <laughs> <laughs> i think sometimes you know like especially with reviews and things there's this presumption that if a reviewer thinks the show doesn't work or has failed or something like that they somehow made a mistake i remember making a show years ago like 15 years ago that was meant to be really big and broad and and it came out at the same time as the office and everyone was going well it's not quite as nuanced as the office and it was like, we weren't trying to do that that's exactly so it's the an unfair thing. comparison yeah they know. thought sometimes the conversation does lend itself to this is good and this is bad and i hate that about comedy conversations yeah. about i just find it fascist that <laughs> like there can be this kind of like you know you can not like it easy like, though isn't it <laughs> it's much easier <laughs> to go this is terrible and this is yeah. good like i love big comedy i love you know when it's really big and i can hear the writing i also like when you're doing comedy drama i like i don't want to hear the typewriter and if I can hear the line. Yeah. I can hear the writer sort of like. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like oh, By the okay. way, I don't think people use typewriters anymore. So <laughs> if like you can hear it, it took me three years. I was commissioned <laughs> the same day. There you go. That's it. We got to the bottom of it. But if you can like, hear that sort of, you know, that bit when you're writing, you're like, oh, I'm certain you go. I have to take that out. It's, yeah. it's just you can sense that I'm too giddy with my own. If it's that thing, if you're doing a big show, you know, I want to yeah, make yeah. it be. I don't want it to be nuanced. I want to be. Did like, you write it all on your own? Yeah. Ah. Come on, a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> Three years in the making. How much paper Little did you stubs. get through? Yeah. <laughs> I I often got like went through sort of dark despair days because you know on your own you've not really got that person. If you come into the office, I say in yeah. inverted commas, like wherever you write, where do you write? Do you, Coffee shop at home. You, you know, there's no one to sort of go. Look, I'm just not feeling it today. Can you sort of drive this? Yeah. And then maybe the whole day is just written off because of it's that. It's just always that feeling of pro procrastination. So you, that's the thing. When you've got a job that is not finished for months on end, it's so hard to enjoy anything mm -hmm. because you constantly go, oh, should I go to the theatre? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you go to the theatre and you go, oh, I can't, I shouldn't, like that constant guilt feeling of, I shouldn't be guilt here. I shouldn't be here. Time. And it's the longest period of guilt. Normally you go, I'm going to do this today. It was stand up. I'll go, I'll do three gigs. I'll do my new and I've done some stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like a, a tangible sense of achievement. And with this, you're just like, I don't even know if this is funny. I don't know if this works because I'm not getting feedback. Yeah. It's not like we're going to stage and then going, and there's nothing in this. Yeah, and yeah. you go, am I so far down the wrong road now that, and that's what I found really hard is just the kind of constant sense of impending, like making plans. Would you want to go over for a weekend? You're like, I can't, I have to write. And then you don't write because yeah. you're just sad that you're not away. Well, that's the killer, isn't yeah. it? It's the, you're neither working or enjoying a day <laughs> that's off. That's exactly You're just it. in this weird in-between. Middle ground, threatening guilt. to write the whole day. Oh, you just right. sit there and then a the second someone offers you something nice to do, you're like, oh no, no, I've got, got to write. 
sit back down. Yeah. Where's it set? Well, North London was where we set it because I wanted to have a. I've got a full thing about this time and places, and so and it's in 2017. There's a bit about Corbyn, okay. and I was like, and I wanted it to feel like that, like a not. Where are we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you grew up in North London, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Camden. This is what's amazing is that for someone to actually be born and bred in a sort of zone one or two of London just seems so unusual now. I it's know. Like, it's, so many people are not from London. No, it's, you know. it's, uh, this isn't me about to launch into a, a UKIP piece, <laughs> by the way. I just mean like even just from... can't get, you know, yeah, all I can't get anywhere without <laughs> someone with an accent. No, I mean like, you know, even from other parts of the UK, you know, it's like... Um, Daniel Kitson, a very brilliant yeah. comedian, our friend. Who I saw yesterday, Did actually. You? I Good saw show. his show, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to sit this week. He once asked me what it was like growing up and he found this very funny, but I wasn't being funny. He said, also like growing up in like zone one, like in Camden, in London. And I was yeah. like spellbinding. And he just like nearly crashed the car. And it was like, you can't say the spell finding. No. I was like, but it was, if you're a child and you grew up in Camden as punks, like I can't underestimate, tell you how amazing it was to see, to be around that, like to yeah. see punks and da da da. And it was crazy and it was full of colour. And yeah. so when I go anywhere in the world, I was never scared. If you like, or people are like, oh, it's a bit rough. And like, it's like Camden, it's fine. Yeah. Like it's just loads of every kind of race and every kind of people and every kind of music. And Don't you, you know, find it weird how, because I, I remember in the early 90s com- going up from because I grew up in South yeah. East London coming up to Camden where I live not far from now but going up there and because and, there was that sort of 60s hippie rave revival thing going on we used to go up there and get incense sticks and tie-dye <laughs> shirts and stuff and there'd be trance music playing at all the market stalls and you go there now exactly the same I worry sometimes it's turned into a parody of itself, like a little bit. Like there was a bit, like with Amy Winehouse, who, uh, like you know. White people with dreads, that kind of thing. Yeah, and just people getting off tubes and like sort of redressing camp. Like sort of, there was a. It's just, I don't want to sound like, I think you always sound like those people, like in my day, it wasn't, you know, it was always. <laughs> I'm definitely it was, one it of them. It was always pretentious. It was always a place where you went to be caught, you know, yeah. people get off and sort of polishing their trilby <laughs> before yeah, they go yeah, into yeah. a pub. So you, you started off doing stand up, right? Yeah. Did, did you act before that at no. all? No. Right. So, and yeah, but have you been doing stand up? recently I haven't really done stand-up this year I was filming uh, this year so I did and writing so Game Face the first half of the year was when we started filming in February into the end of April and then I went straight from there into Man Down and so I haven't really done so I'm just starting now trying to write a setup again and do I really miss it so long as I haven't d- not done stand-up for yeah. and I've done uh, odd bits here and there but I just don't want to do any old and I just feel like I you know that's done and I just but it's such a busy world like yeah like you don't even it feels like trying to you know like jump onto a, a thing there's so mm-hmm. much news and there's so much stuff going on that you feel like oh god how, where should I jump on <laughs> so we always get our guests to um, pick a guilty pleasure and you picked a movie for us that I'd almost kind of forgotten about do you want to say what your guilty pleasure what is what one did I say <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tell I'll tell you what you're uh, St. Elmo's Fire. That's it, yeah. yeah. Love um, it. I think it's a great can, film. Do you? I think it's a really great film. That and About Last Night, it's two really good films. You're obviously a Rob Lowe fan, Massive aren't you? Love for, Rob, love Row. A Love Row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Love Row. But no, I thought they were really good and sort of that friendship, I think it was St. Elmo's Fire, that sort of bit where you leave school. I haven't really seen that where... Mm. But also, like, none of them sort of going to uni, they're sort of hanging about years. I thought it was a really well done film. And I was young when I watched it, but I watched it, like, a lot. And I still got up, it's great, it's great telly. What I remember about that film was just being, because I was a huge fan of The Breakfast Club, which is the more obvious, you know, one to reference. But because I was such a big fan of that, the sort of novelty was watching Judd Nelson as a sort of straight-laced guy. And everyone's like, wow, look at him. He's not, you know, the badass yeah. that he is. In. It's breakfast. like, yeah, that's called acting, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just I a different Breakfast costume. I did about four years ago, three, four years ago. Serious? Yeah. So that must have shocked you that he was, was such a badass. Like, I was like, wow, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Where did he go off the rails? <laughs> Why is he so crazy mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I hadn't. That was one of those ones that just I'd never seen, and I'd saw sort of all the other ones. I bet the problem is, is, it's one of those films that's been kind of lamented. But I'm talking about the Breakfast Club. That when you watch it at this age, it probably is. A it bit does like, hold. You does sort it? of sense. I think it does. It's just, uh, I mean, Emilio Estevez, come on. Yeah, it's what just. Is? And also, I love him in About Last Night, and so Emilio's in About Last Night. Yeah, he's is the he? one. Uh, he's he's in love with. Uh, is it Demi Moore and Rob Lowe? No. Yeah, but Andy McDowell. Am I, am I getting the right film? <laughs> it's Demi Moore, James Belushi, Elizabeth Perkins and Rob Lowe. What film are you that thinking is, of? That is the film I'm thinking of. But yeah. I've also got, what film is Emilio Estevez and, and, and Andy McDowell? And, and they go, or is it... I don't remember them ever being in a film They're together. in a film, he's in love with her and they're in a snowy, snowy mountain. St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, but that <laughs> but you picked St. Elmo's Fire as your film, and now you're talking about another film with the plot of St. Elmo's Fire. That's how much you love St. Elmo's Fire, is that all other films in your head. I just blurred when we started, I was talking about Emilio Estevez, and I just went into that, and then I got really confused. Yeah. But yeah, so in St. Elmo's Fire, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Watch both the films, guys. Your second choice of song is from The Lost Boys. I mean, there isn't any other song from that soundtrack to pick, really. I mean, you could, but this is the one. Yeah, it's so definitive of, of the film and so mm -hmm. strange, and it did make it feel like this. It's like a teen film of a really thou shit. Like, yeah, it felt sort of incongruous. Like, like, this is wow, you're gonna be heavy with it. Yeah, over did love that film as well. Were you a big fan of uh, the Corys as well? Yeah, I had it on VHS. This yeah. Is <laughs> I'm gonna say it. My brain just went. We're saying it. We're saying it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a bit where. Corey, so I was the same age as him. It's quite important that you know this because okay. I was I was like two years younger than Corey Haim because yeah. what I'm about to say is very perfect. So I was about eight or nine. I'm going on VHS. There's a bit in the bath where Corey Haim's washing his like, ain't got a man, ain't got, and he's in the bath and there's like his brothers at the window, or whatever, like being a vampire. Remember on VHS, you could watch films like dit, 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 like so it's like you'd play and pause, and then you had the other button that would like play it in frames. Oh, in frames, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to see if I could see his genitals. <laughs> I love that. Well, you're the first the woman that's ever told me that they, you know, because guys talk about like the scene in American Werewolf in London where they have it, or um, Porky's or whatever, those classics. Really? But you're the first person that submitted to pausing your VHS to see <laughs> genitals. And it goes like this the whole way through that bit. It's like, you know, like just white noise over yeah. it. So we watched it recently at my mum's. I was like, I put the VHS on and then put it like. What, you and your mum paused? No, me and my sister. It was oh, about okay. 11 years ago. I went with my nance, and that bit just goes, duh, 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 and she was like, that's when you were still... I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, destroyed the film. It's so ingrained into yeah, that tape. It's completely ruined the tape. It just knows to do it for you. I adored him. I adored him so much, Corey really? Haim and Corey Feldman. Yeah, I thought they were such a great comedy Did you pairing. watch their strange um, reality show? I did. It was quite harrowing. Yeah, it was really odd. And just seeing these two, I just don't imagine, I don't like child actors. I worry about them. Well, look, it's been lovely talking to you. Good luck with the show Thank when you it's very much, out. My love. You think it's going to be October? October the 12th or the 12th 16th? Or 16th. But also, um, you're in Man Down, which we didn't get to talk about with no the lovely Greg Davies. Lovely Greg. Uh, uh, do you know when that's out as well? That'll be out in October as well. Okay, wow. So, yeah, I'll okay. be leaving oh. the country. <laughs> <laughs> or reaping the rewards. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, this is Cry Little Sister uh, from the theme of the Lost Boys by the um, prolific, I say in, uh, <laughs> well, he may be, but this was his only hit by Gerard McMahon.
Radio. Why didn't you tell me? What? To bring along my harmonica. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. What made you pick that, Ingrid? Um, what made me pick that was that Sound of Music was one of the uh, the films I remember watching as a child, uh, sort of once a day, in that way you do when you're a child, sort of obsessively, for about a year. And because my father is half German, or my father's German, I'm half German, so for some reason that whole film and that particularly that song, and he was quite a stern man. So when Really I, living up to the yeah, stereotype. So yeah. when I see, when I still saw that in the film and that listened to that song, I used to cry because it reminded me of... Me and my dad. Oh, that is... Hey, everyone. (laughs) It's adorable. Hey, just quickly about Germans, right? Yeah. Um, So you're half German. Correct. Well, you know, the the, um, stereotype of them being quite serious Mm. is complete bullshit. Well, not bullshit, but they have a great sense of humour, don't you think? They have a sense of humour, certainly. I don't know. I think they've got a really quirky, odd... Well, they they love a bit of slapstick they love a bit of Mr Bean they love yeah. a bit of Benny Hill the biggest sort of comedians in general all our greats all the greats <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they love big silly humour yeah. I think um, it, it's I think it's quite different from English humour so either you're into that or you're not mm-hmm. I mean I, God bless them and like the French I was talking about this the other day I don't think the French have one at all what sense of humour? No, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's Whereas the Germans, I think, are quite. Yeah, that's quite. A, <laughs> it's quite a generalisation there. there Dan. I'll put it out there. Your hatred for the uh, but, for our neighbours well, is that what it is? But, but, yeah, it is. <laughs> Great. Um, I, I do like strong opinions on this show. We get too many wishy-washy people. Well, I just, genuinely, the German thing. I remember I was seeing, visiting my dad a couple of years ago, and there was one of the biggest talk shows over there. Is like it's like, a sort of like a David Letterman style mm-hmm. uh, show. With the sort of comedian hosting it I'm not joking when I say and I've often thought to myself did I imagine that this happened in the middle of a monologue to camera he reached under the desk got out a tin of black grease paint started blacking up put on a raster wig and the audience is going fucking crazy because they're like oh, I fucking love this character oh fucking brilliant this was his Rastafarian taxi driver character who's always stoned I'm literally speechless. I I sat watching my dad, who was pissing himself laughing, just looking at me, this is, you know that's not okay, where I come from. Yeah. Literally about a man that blacked himself up on primetime television. You are going to the Edinburgh Festival, but you haven't done it for how long? Nine years, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a long, I thought it was like maybe four or five years or something like that, but. No, I mean, I go and visit, but no, performing that has been that long. So what made you decide to do it again? Well, Dan, I just had something to say. (laughs) Well, no, I I think genuinely what it was, I mean, we've talked about this, about writing and and for the last couple of years I've been trying to write and I find it without a deadline, without something to write for, Mm -hmm. I find it impossible. Because, you know, when when Laura and I, when we were doing Watson and Oliver and we did Edinburgh, it was a brilliant way of going, I have a deadline. I'm literally paying thousands of pounds to to put on a show. So I'd better write something. Well, you're known for doing characters and sketches. And obviously part of a double act is, you know, especially in the world of comedy is what you're most known for. And you're doing a show that feels quite a big departure from what you're known for. Would you say that's right? How would you describe your show? Do, let's practice oh, God, your so Edinburgh PR. I'm very bad at pitching, uh, which is why LA didn't work out. Um, <laughs> do, what, do you know what it is? It's the fact, as I'm sure a lot of us have, the last year or two years... I've become quite politically interested, interested in stuff. And I've, I always was quite political, but I 
specifically am quite interested in the Twitter and sort of the takes that people have on things. Mm -hmm. And I decided to come off Twitter completely. The opinion. Yeah. Yeah, the opinion matrix. And I came off Twitter for a a while and and just started reading lots of books about various different points of view. And could you read beyond 40 characters? No, it was very hard. Yeah, you'd get Um, to the end of a sentence and think, wow, it keeps going. Yeah, (laughs) put that away, put that down. And it hasn't made me really angry. Yeah, it was, well, actually, because I read quite a lot, I read read some books by some quite right-wing people, but with a view to genuinely looking at them and not Getting a balanced view. Exactly. Yeah, okay, so how right, how far on that side? Well, people like Anne Coulter, who is that alt-right lady in the the US who has some fairly extreme views. She's like a best-selling... Author yeah. and stuff, yeah. right? And she's, I, I've seen her on things like Bill Maher and what have yes. you, and she's See, quite and those uh, shows, opinionated. Yeah, I love all those shows as well, which yeah. I've been watching a lot of, but there are the people like her and, and Katie Hopkins who are doing it for effect, I think. Which you don't is think slightly they different. mean any of it? I think they probably do, but it suits them to mean it because it gets them uh, retweets and it gets them money mm-hmm. in the bank. I think there are people who genuinely have, uh, right wing, who have the reason they're just those are the people I was more interested in I, I read a book on the EDL and sort of things like that which is uncomfortable but you yeah but I bet it's also fascinating as it well it is and, and this is what I talk about I really show, admire that you read all the books all the books I'm so like I'm such a tidbit person I just want to like get the highlights of something you know I yeah. don't want to put the effort into it because I'm fascinated in all this stuff mm. as well but you've really got to, to understand it fully you've got to yeah. do the homework haven't you and that was well that's the other thing that I that, that having read all those books mm-hmm. i was like right well how do, I, how do i put that into a show that isn't any way entertaining my original thought was i was going i wanted to do a show about an alt-right person just like a play almost mm-hmm. then i realized if you're stuck for an hour uh, and there's an audience who don't like you because you're probably not a character that most theater audiences would, would identify with but i know i decided in the end that i'd go back to what i know which is doing characters because then that way i can explore lots of different sides of things without making a judgment on them as such and Pull it all together in an incredibly nifty ending, which draws all the threads together. Is it funny loses. along the way? Well, I hope so. That's, that, <laughs> that was a thing. I think it is, yeah. I, I think it's okay. There were some laughs. I mean, how much of it is your, like, you, Ingrid's voice, or is it all just sort of from the points of view of different people? Thank you for this, by the way. We're really going into the show. This is well, great. Thank well, you. Well, you know, we've got a lot of time to kill. Oh, so. fine. No good. <laughs> Listen, it's not often we actually get, because, you know, the show is a, more about films and television and, and you know, comedy and things we don't actually get to do politics much which is something i'm obviously interested i think it is interesting that we have people that were never interested in politics before just suddenly like i worry that there's this sort of almost crack version of news and politics where it's just intense headlines and the minutiae we're not interested in anymore it's just like disaster and horror and you want that hit whatever that hit is that makes you really angry and depressed that's why that's why i find twitter so that's why i had to come off it because i I don't actually know what i think about anything because i'm constantly reacting to other people's reactions so in terms of minutiae i literally am reading a book about the european union which is incredibly boring it, do you know what I love it I love all that stuff I, is it how it began or is it how it works it's just the structure or? of it really? and how it began and it's sort of it's, it's like a layman's like if you want to understand the European Union it, it, this is what it is it's a very dry almost academic text but I'm finding it so comforting because it's so the opposite of this kind of yeah rhetoric and yeah. sort of invective on Twitter that actually something very calming and reassuring about the fact actually nothing is as extreme as, as we think it is but, um, There's nothing more calming and warm than <laughs> EU rules and legislation. Yeah. Has it changed your opinion on any of the Brexit stuff? Well, my opinion on the Brexit stuff is fairly... Unshakable. Unshakable. <laughs> well, it has slightly in the sense that I, I understand why there are, pe- there are reasons that people 
had a problem with the European Union. They weren't good enough reasons to come out yeah. of it, obviously. But well, not obviously, but just that's my opinion. Well, no, it's right. I'm right. I am yeah. right. Be right. Have the courage of your convictions. But it's actually what actually was interesting about the book is it's saying you know all these all the arguments that anti EU like oh it's a it's a, it's a scandalous waste of money and it's bureaucracy and all that is actually not as not as true as we think. And so, what characters do you have in your show? Are you allowed to? Does it give anything away? No, if not, we know no. Pro- in answer to your, I think earlier question. Uh, yeah, if you could answer my questions, sorry. two questions after the one I've just well, asked. You need yeah. to be better at marshalling. Yeah. Okay, the I'm Dan. sorry. I thought we were doing like a two Ronnie sketch where you get the different answer to the. Yeah, another question. question. Yeah. I've not seen. I must have seen that one. I've it's seen all of them. It's the mastermind one where he's answering the <laughs> yes. questions. So that, you know. Oh yes, I do remember that one. Oh, it's a classic. There's, well, there's one very right wing character who's an LBC DJ. But this is the thing. It's like you end up because it's a character and because it's a comedy show, you have to push it to the extreme. But I didn't necessarily want, and this was maybe for the future for the play that I write, that I would like to explore the idea of having right wing a right wing character that isn't sort of vilified. But obviously with character comedy, you slightly have to push things to the extreme so to make them funny. So obviously she's an extreme character. Yeah. And then there's like a social justice warrior type Californian, get my mm-hmm. LA accent in there. Yeah. So um, how do you feel about going back to performing in front of audiences after all the, the actual, not the writing bit, but the mm. actual like that tightrope of like, yeah. who knows how this is going to go? Because TV is like, you know, the downside is we don't quite know yeah. how people are reacting when it goes out, but... I can't wait. I'm really... Did good. you used to love really, doing it before? Really, I'm really good at it, Dan. Oh, yeah. Really, it's kind of where I, okay. I shine. Um, <laughs> no, I just... Yeah, I know I am, I am actually really looking forward to it. That's, that is the thing. That is the thing that I miss, I suppose, the, the being able to do it in front of an audience. And I've, and I've deliberately chosen quite a small room. Yeah. Uh, it's the size Two of... Two-seater. <laughs> Two-seater. It's a really intense yeah, performance. Still not selling out. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, my God, don't. Can you imagine? That would be the worst run ever. Jeez Louise. Oh, I can't um, fill a two-seater. <laughs> Jesus. Just, Somewhere on the fringe, that is ha- that will be happening. Oh, don't. It's like a, a small hut, like a, a, yeah. one of the pool's cabins in, in the Pleasance. And it's it's a very intimate space. So you, you can, I can have it's more televisual. Uh, I, can't, I, I mean, I just don't like comedy in big rooms anyway. I have to ask you about this because, you know, we know each other but I've never really spoken to you about this you appear regularly or semi-regularly in Doctor Who semi-regularly semi-regularly I'm not a big Who watcher Whovian Whovian okay I didn't know that so that says it all but I imagine there is a whole sort of different element to your fan base it must have taken over all the work you've done as a writer performer and now suddenly you're what's your character's name from Osgood. Osgood. Yes. Did the, did you notice that happening like quickly well, or it's really funny when you when you're on Twitter and you appear in something you, you notice say Twitter with such bile. Do I? I don't mean to. <laughs> I, I enjoy Twitter. I huge, I, huge, I mean I, I enjoy it. I hugely enjoy it a bit too much actually. But I yeah, well, I remember things like when we first I think Lorna and I were on the on the Great British Bake Off for Comet Relief and I went you did that yeah Yeah. Uh, not only did I do that Dan I won it serious you're looking at a star baker that is amazing congratulations by the way thank you retrospect five years (laughs) retrospectively best day of my life serious winning I'm not even joking because I've been obsessed with the show yeah I didn't cry. I, I I couldn't stop smiling like a really bad loser, a bad oh, winner. Do you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna YouTube the shit out of that now. Oh, uh, so you must be it. really known for that as well, right? Well, no, no. But that's the thing. So after I did that, that was sort of before I think Watson and Oliver had come out. So I got I went from having like a hundred Twitter followers to suddenly overnight two thousand. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> 
and then I think our series came out and then I went from 2000 to I don't know I can't remember but it, you know a few more thousand and then I was on Doctor Who and overnight I got like an extra 20,000 or something followers and you go oh I see yes that's wow. the most popular yeah. thing um, on the planet on the planet and um, I wonder what people are hoping from you from that what is the oh I like that character in that show I'm going to follow them so that they then dot 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 what's the well it's funny because when I was in it because I haven't been in it for a year or so then you tweet things about Doctor Who and and of course that's of interest I suppose but recently the last few months I've been tweeting about my one woman show in Edinburgh so I'm sure uh, that'll be of less interest but um, you didn't think about just chucking one Doctor Who type character in there just to keep those people happy there is one Doctor Who reference which is is a shameless shameless ploy to uh, appeal to people who might be coming to the show because they watch me Doctor Who. Yeah, I won't say what it is because yeah. it's, uh, it's a huge reveal. And have you done any of the sort of Comic-Con you have? Um, <laughs> how was that? Are they fun? Do you know what? I actually, I genuinely enjoy them. Because yeah. I, 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 I'm a people person, Dan. So no, I, but I watch those things online yeah. and think, oh, I wish I'd like to do that. It's so brilliant. Because I, I think if I was a 16-year-old and I wasn't really into something I would absolutely go to those things yeah um, I went to see Brian Robson the footballer sign shirts in a sports shop in my local area where I grew up and I didn't even like football and that was a ma- we were like oh my god it's him from that thing, the football stickers from the football <laughs> the first one I did which was before I, I'd only been on Doctor Who once I think so sorry that I don't know this but I'm, no. you know I'm not a Hoover is it Hoover I'm not a Hoover have you been on in more than one Doctor Who like as in yeah. like more than one person that's played it yes Just, I, I'm saying this the most this sort of is, awkwardly have you ever <laughs> spoken you, before no <laughs> Just, have you cross hooed that is not a thing no no <laughs> Jesus can it not Christ. be no okay they'll let the fans will let you know whether yeah. it can or not they've got their own language the first episode I did was the 50th anniversary so that had uh, John Hurt as a new doctor mm-hmm. uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith and then I did a couple of series with Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. so I've worked with four Four Who's. Four who. How do you feel about the new Who? You I'm know that it's, he's not called Doctor Who, you know that. No? He's called The Doctor. Okay, so why Who? Because Doctor Who is like a... Who is he? Who is he? Yeah? Okay. I think. Yeah, he's The Doctor. Or she's The Doctor now. Which yeah. is brilliant. I love that. I once did an audition. I'm a big fan of, of, of wom- them Womanising. Yeah, of course. Womanising. <laughs> womanizing. That as well. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was all... In, in fact, I thought if they don't do that... Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, and, and people I, I totally that are, are there actually—is it just sort of hyperbole, or are there actually people who are genuinely pissed off? I'm sure or? there are people who genuinely. Of course, I think there are. Because to me, it's like it's not like a character that has this where that character's actions are so specific Masculine. to being a man. No, I agree. It's not like James Bond. No, exactly. You know, it would be weird if you had a female James Bond who was, like, going around sleeping with loads of guys. and pe- Would that- it? Why would it be weird? Well, because... Well, I mean, you've got a point. That's such a characteristic of, you know... Of, of, of who he is. Also, he's he an is. actual male character in the real, in the real and inverted commas world. He's not a real person, no. Ingrid. Well, he's a real man in a real in a real. I'm probably going to get world. loads of people saying, how dare you, Bond could be a woman. Well, no, Bond couldn't uh, be a woman, because Jane Bond literally isn't a woman, unless yeah. he had a sex change, but that would be a whole different story. Yeah, and that's Whereas, the other thing, the character The Doctor is, is an alien, so yeah, and changing. Co- and regenerates, so that is literally the point of the character. So those people who say shouldn't be a it woman. can't are, be a woman. Are sort of stupid, aren't yeah. they? Well, yeah. I wouldn't like to say, but yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's pick it up because you <laughs> have picked a wonderful yes. guilty pleasure. I guess my question to you before you reveal what you've picked is, do you see this as a bad film that you love or a 
film that is underrated, that you think is good? Like, how do you see this? I see it as a not particularly, in terms of the craft of the film, yep. not a, an excellent film, mm -hmm. but in terms of the, what it's trying to do and what it achieves, one of the most important films of our time. Now, that is an amazing introduction to... Magic Mike XXL. You're talking about the sequel here. Yes, I specifically. am. Specifically. Yes, I am. Because I've only seen the very first one. Yeah, I mean, that was fine and great. Because, you know, I'm a big Soderbergh fan. Oh, well, who isn't? And people said, to me, <laughs> people said to me, why did you go and see Magic Mike? Because especially they did such an amazing marketing with that first one, like with the posters and stuff. It looked like the full Monty, but with actually good-looking, sexy men. Yeah. People thought it was a... But it's a sort of interesting drama. Yeah. But I'd heard that the sequel... Is not at all like that. Yeah. Now, the sequel is... Um, I think it's still Soderbergh, though, isn't it? I could he, be wrong. Th here's my um, nerdy factoid. Yeah. He didn't direct it. Right. But weirdly, still was the director of photography. Oh, okay. I know, yeah. Interesting. Basically, Dan, mm. it is a joyous film. Mm -hmm. I went to see it in LA with uh, a bunch of friends, and it, the audience was almost entirely women, unsurprisingly. Sadly, but unsurprisingly. And, and the ones that weren't? Actually, the ones that weren't were men on dates with girlfriends that they yeah. wanted to have sex okay. with, and so they thought they'd do that. They'd be like, "Yeah, cool. I'm totally open to seeing that." But I've never been in, a, in an audience of women where the, there was screams of just joy mm. and laughter. You've not and been to one of, of my shows. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! No, and it, well, it's not even about. It's not even like, oh god, it's just about half naked men. It is a genuinely funny. It's it's quite high, 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 uh, heavily improvised. Um, it's a meandering story. There's barely a narrative in it. Um, but it's funny and it's charming and it's about... You realise when you watch it how starved you are... Not you are, I am, as a woman, of films that cater to what I want to watch, look at. And it doesn't mean looking at naked men. It means looking at men seducing older women or... That's a specific kink you have. No, 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 no. <laughs> or looking at... Or saying... Dialogue. There's, there's some dialogue in it that's incredibly feminist. You're suggesting that this is a pro-feminist... Absolutely. Really? 100%. Because if you think about it, Dan, did you see Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible 5, written by our good friend? Yeah, I did. He... In that film, the poster for that, I remember very clearly, was the four men. I think there were four men at Jeremy Renner and... No, is it Jeremy Renner and... and Jeremy Renner. Tom Cruise and yeah. somebody else. And then Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson, who's arguably the best thing in it, yeah. um, she, they were all wearing suits in the poster. And then she's wearing like a black cat suit and she's sort of looking over the shoulder to camera with her bum out. And it's just like, really? Really? Because that is what we're used to, all of us, is watching these films where women, even if they're like strong, kick-ass women, they're heavily sexualised. So watching Magic Mike X XXL, where the, all the men are sexualised, is so brilliant it's that thing of, do you know what, it's not even about feminism or whatever. It's just, I get bored. I just get bored of watching the same films over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether that be with all white men or white people or whatever. It's just, for me, it genuinely <laughs> is one of the most feminist yeah. films well, that I've I, ever seen. I look forward to watching it with that in mind. Yeah. Is there a message or you just feel like the fact that it is a show, uh, a, show a, a film that kind of glamorises or sexualizes guys in a knowing way yeah. in itself is... Well, I think everything in it seems to have been made with an eye, an eye of, oh, let's give... It's not even let's give women what they want, because it's not just about men stripping, because I don't think women... I don't know, it's not, it's not as straightforward as that. There's literally dialogue in it. It, it just it sounds so silly, but l l there's a, a line where 
Andy McDowell, I think, sleeps with one of them. She's in it? Yeah. Really? It's in, a, in an amazing scene, just a brilliant oh, wow. scene. In the morning, he gets asked by the other guys, did she bang you? Rather than, did you fuck her or did you bang her or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it just very little details like that. Uh-huh. You just realise you don't see, you don't hear people yeah. saying, and they talk about God being a woman and stuff like that. But it's it's sort of feminist with a small air. For me, it's not, feminism isn't about saying men but shouldn't go But would the film have worked if it had just been men dancing it and is. no dialogue and no, no story no, no, no of course not but then that's because we don't have male strip clubs like that so yeah. that's a sort of it's not quite we don't have that context yet but if Magic Mike Las Vegas takes off then we might <laughs> okay well th- I, I'm going to go and w- I might even watch it tonight do it honestly yeah. best hour and a half of your life I yeah promise. well thank you so much for joining us good luck with your run are you there for the whole time I am are indeed you? yeah um, to play out you've picked another song from a film I've I've got this here, it's from Kenny Loggins, who I think everyone will now pretty much guess what it's from. But why don't you tell everyone what what the song is? Uh, This is a song that I always used to come on to uh, for Edinburgh shows, because it would get us all amped up. It is Highway to the Danger Zone from Top Gun. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.